Hello everyone, welcome along to the April edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, I've got the regular gang with me, James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist, uh, Tony Murray, Trust Chairman, and Town fan Dan Barrett-Davis. Um, in this first part of the podcast, we will reflect on, well, I think it's fair to say, an enjoyable day on Saturday in a Derby Day debrie- uh, debrief. We'll look back at the games that, took, that took place prior to that as well, big week at Sheffield United, home to Bristol City and at Sunderland. And we'll pick out two key performers from that win on Saturday um, in our player focuses. Uh, well, they're all fighting over themselves to uh, go first here, really, to be fair. Where do we start with Saturday? Let's start with, well, we'll do the football later, actually, because there's so much to um, talk about in the game. Uh, in line with what we previewed last week. But James, it was your first time covering a derby with a crowd. Yep. Live up to expectations? M- more than that. I've I've barely slept. <laughs> I've been so excited about what went on. And uh, yeah, one of those memory games that uh, even me with a terrible memory is going to be able to quote back to you for a very, very long time. Indeed so. Uh, Tony, you're a veteran of these derby things, but I can't remember just the feeling at the end of that particular game on Saturday. It was it was more than just beating them. There was there was a whole lot more to it, and it was fantastic. Oh, I was rubbing their noses in it, and they deserved it. They really did deserve it, and it was a fantastic day, fantastic all round performance. It was it was great, and you know, even my missus said I woke up during the night giggling, saying 2-0. So um, <laughs> it obviously was a good night, good afternoon, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and the amazing thing about it was you actually predicted this, and I did say that in the in the preview podcast, I did say that if you got it right, you could have two hours of gloating throughout the whole of this podcast. So, you know, feel free oh, to oh, remind oh. everyone what you said. No, no, no. I'm going to be magnanimous. And that's a bit it's easy for you to say, Nick. Get my teeth out. <laughs> um, no, actually, bollocks am I? I'm, I'm going to It was brilliant. Um, like you, Kev, having been at Vicarage Road for the reverse fixture and having to suffer the way we did there, it was great. Um I'm really happy that I, I, I called it. I wish I could get more things right like that. But, so do we. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but right right from the off, if you were in the ground watching the warm-up, you could see then that their, and I use the term loosely, players um, weren't up for it at all. They, they, they just didn't fancy it. And, you know, the hostile atmosphere and everything was just unreal. And I know last week we said that the first th- throw-in for them, it would be... I, I couldn't believe it, the first throw-in they got uh, on the Maple Road side. There were people standing up, they were practically, you know, in his face, giving him the wanker sign and <laughs> fingers. And and it, and it was absolutely brilliant. But I do have to say to all them Watford fans out there, apart from... Um, the game at their place, I actually uh, thought it was our worst performance of the season. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I wish we could make the Kenny like that every single game, Not, not just for them, but for every team that comes down because it shows, it showed on that game on Saturday. 
just the effect it's had. I mean, we, we've spoken to players that are in our squad that have played for opposition teams at Kenilworth Road and said it's such a hostile atmosphere. But we've showed that. And, you know, we've got a few key home games coming up, you know, Blackpool on, on Monday. And then uh, I believe the home game after that is the big one, Middlesbrough. Yeah, we'll um, come on to those yeah, two in part I, I'm two. I'm just going to say, I'm just making an appeal to supporters out there. Let's make the Kenny another hostile hotbed for them because they won't fancy it. And then, you know, half the battle is done for our players then. Yeah, abso- you know? yeah it absolutely is, yeah. Uh, Daniel's in the main stand on um, Saturday. Absolutely rocking. Like Tone just said, it's it's probably the best atmosphere we've had at Kenilworth Road, certainly this season, but in certainly since restrictions were lifted and crowds were allowed back in, it was just immense from the word go. You know, there was even a loud roar from the Kenny when the players went in for to get changed. And that's something you don't see every week and we need to see more of that. So if you could lead it next time. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I have absolutely no idea what I was doing at any point on Saturday, other than going completely bonkers. But yeah. you know, these things—that's uh, that, what we're football fans for, isn't it? Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, some of the scenes on Saturday were, were fantastic. I mean, we can't condone the throwing of the flares and everything else, particularly in that they stand. Stink as well. And they do stink, and then obviously, to those that had breathing difficulties, you know, that that is not good. But they're, they're, they're just like the gift that keeps on give, giving, you know, the fact that, you know, that they couldn't go to the game unless they, they went on the buses. So straight away it was bus wankers, bus wankers, the two Harry Potter buses. <laughs> and then to turn up and wear a Udinese kit. Yeah. yeah. Truly, truly proving that they're Udinese B. I just thought, you know... They are the, the the gift that keeps on giving. The, and, the bus, and the bus thing is it's. It, I don't know how they think that that is going to fly at all. It even against Luton, anybody, any other opposition bunch of fans that see that happening, that's what you're going to be called for the rest of your days when you visit. Bus them. Wankers, yeah. yeah, or yeah. the or the Hogwarts Express, and or any sort of yeah. uh, Harry Potter uh, phrase you like to know. I, I've never seen the thing, so I don't know, but. That is what you're going to be called now. And so whoever organised that must be a Luton fan. And I tell you what was great as well was at the end, when we're all celebrating, was they didn't let them out straight away, did they? They they, they didn't get out, so they had to watch us celebrating. And, and Rob Edwards celebrated that, and, and he loved it. He, I, mean, I know he played it down last week and everything, but he loved every second of that. And, you know... Fair play to the guy. He deserved that. He deserved it. He absolutely did. Yeah, it's a bad day for the or bad weekend for the Potter family. Their buses got absolutely done up, and then Graham lost his job at Chelsea on Sunday as well. So uh, they were feeling the uh, effects of that. I mean, James, in terms of, I mean, obviously the time at Kenilworth Road's limited. It was great to just have the old Kenilworth Road magic. Uh, and the atmosphere just absolutely rocking. I mean, if it's the last time it happens, then it'll be fantastic. It's just fantastic memories. Well, yeah, I mean, since we started this podcast back in League Two, we've had so many of those nights. Uh, every season, there's a, there's a handful of those nights that, or days, games that just seem like a level above. This one is in a category that's all on its own. What, what happened on Saturday? Um, the atmosphere was great, but 
everything, everything went right from the minute the team sheet was read out uh, <clears throat> or handed out and suddenly Peddy Ruddock and Panzu's on there and me and you are messaging each other, what the hell's going on here? Because, you know, even I in the last podcast said oh, I'd be very surprised if he if he turned up. He's absolute master stroke to keep that from he had a great all of us well, and, and get him guy. on there. He is he is Mr. Luton and he was involved in the first goal. He was fantastical game. Uh, there's this this iconic picture of him like rising the highest in the celebrations for the standing on the sponsor board standing is, on yeah. him, like surveying the whole crowd because that man is a legend and anybody that doesn't think so needs to give their head a wobble because um he'll have his testimonial year next year but you should just give him the key to the borough now because that man is a legend yeah he absolutely is i mean tony he didn't just play three weeks after seemingly having no knee left played 95 minutes relentless from the start to the end. Don't forget the corner that we scored the second goal from came from him taking the ball in the corner and winning a corner along with Carlton Morris. You know, he just, he just, he, he, he was the one probably more than anyone on the pitch who would have known what it meant because he played in the last game without the crowd. And um, he's been here so long that he, you know, it had been drilled into him and he kind of led with that spirit right throughout the game. Definitely. And you just got to say for our first goal, what a move. What a move. Mm. You know, that's what we're all about. The first touches, one, two, bang, Osho. And, you know, Pelly aside, yes, the, the man deserves all the plaudits. He was brilliant. He's both on and off the pitch, he's brilliant. But I was so pleased for Gabe Osher and his celebration, drying your eyes. That was fantastic <laughs> because he got a load of shit when he got sent off at Vicarage Road. And, and what a redemption for him. Absolutely fantastic. You yeah. know, and everybody with him. And he he has come on in leaps and bounds. And, you know, it, it, it it's great to, to see that. You know, they, they, they get what Luton's about. And I don't think there's any other club in the championship or maybe the league that are together like we are as fans, owners and players. And they showed that, didn't they, after the game when they all um, built that line and ran towards the Kenilworth end. I mean, in terms of um, unity, the only sort of thing I can really remember it as similar was at Notts County when we won League Two. It It was just so iconic really wasn't it it was it was fantastic and just those scenes you know we I think whenever you kind of feel down as a Luton fan you, if you think back to that Notts County afternoon you're immediately lifted you know the 10 minutes of singing that song and you know it, it'll be exactly the same on about the scenes at the end on Saturday you know it was just it was just magical it was it was fantastic and yeah Pelly Rudder Companzo I mean we salute you. Mm. We've saluted you for ever since we've done this podcast, but we we salute you in a way that it's not really possible to do. That was an, an immense performance. It really was. Uh, Dan, we said in the preview, mm-hmm. we picked three battles that if we won, it would go a long way to winning the game of football. Tom yeah. Lockyer against Keenan Davis was the first one that I pointed out. Yeah. We didn't win that battle. We absolutely destroyed that yeah. battle. There it was, was, no battle. There, was it, battle. there was very little battle, wasn't there? It was superb. I mean, we'll, I'll get all of your player of the season's 
in part two of the podcast. So stay listening for that because I'm sure Tom Lockyer will come up a fair few times. But he was as captain and everything else. I mean, he was the one who was fronted up, who fronted up and did the press in the away game. And you could tell how pissed off he was then. Yeah, he was, yeah. And he used that as fuel, as motivation for Saturday. And he was unbelievable. And if he'd gone through and done a Franz Beckenbauer with that run that, yeah, you know he could have could have ended in a goal. I mean, the roof's gone. You don't even need to worry about it, Kenny, and it's gone. Yeah. On another day, on another day, Lockie's going through and he's scoring, isn't he? Um, but no, he was from the word go. You could tell he was up for it. You've, I've seen him when we played against Bristol City, and how much he loves winding them up because he's Bristol Rovers through and through. And I've seen him what what he's like when we play Swansea and we beat them. He loves winding them up because he's Cardiff as well. So you sort of knew what you were getting. Because of how committed he's been for Luton, you sort of knew that when it comes to playing Watford and you're captain of the side, you know you're going to get a proper performance out of him because he does big himself up for the big games and he's the type of player you need in those big games. And if you know if we are to go up next season, this season, he'll be key next year, definitely. It'll be a level he's, he won't be accustomed to because he only plays international football for Wales, which is kind of above that level now anyway. Well, he, he doesn't, doesn't even get a game yeah, for them. He doesn't even get a game for them. Quite, the how he does, is, quite how he doesn't play international work. football for Wales. I mean, but it, it works. It, that plays into our hands because it meant he was fit for Saturday and you need people like that for games like that in those games and Keenan Davis was quite rightly unleashed out of his pocket <laughs> at the end of the game. Well, you he know. unleashed him out of his pocket so he could go and put Britta Sombalonga in his pocket. Yeah. And it was like, he had a little go as well. Didn't he yeah. try to get out a little bit and Lockie was like, no, you stay down there sort of patting his head. So they, you they, stay they, down there, mate. They, they're going to have to put a back pocket in Tom Lockie's shorts because he's having so many people in these pockets that there ain't much yeah. room for anything else. He's, um, he's dislodging strike. He's left, days. right and centre. He's, he's the best centre off we've had at Luton for years. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And the improvement, and if, you, if you think he wasn't even first choice at the start of the season, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember, I actually remember, Steve Davis, I think. Steve Davis, yeah. yeah I actually remember we are in the same season that he said to you that he was pissed off that they'd messed up against Newport because he wasn't going to get another game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he ain't missing a game. Yeah. There's no keep, chance. He's keeping Sonny out of the team. He, isn't he? You know, he's keeping Sonny out, keeping Burke out. It's, you know, it's. We like Burke a lot. To be we love it, yeah. yeah uh, absolute full credit to him. Uh, James, another, another battle that we thought would be key to the game was Cody Drame against Ken Seema. I mean, another another one that was absolutely dominated by the Luton man. I think Seema got past him once and Drame went and got the ball back off of him pretty much soon after. Uh, this guy was brilliant. And actually, you could tell that we thought that there was a threat down that side because usually Drame's right down to the byline, isn't he, when we attack. But he kind of never went past the midfielders, did he? He all, there was always that square pass for the midfielders to get out of trouble sort of thing. And it was just a tactical thing rather than send him too far down, just keep a, keep that extra sort of body around. And he played it brilliantly, Drame. His set pieces are fantastic. He is a great footballer. And for a lone player to play with that sort of enthusiasm and passion in a game like that, you just it just shows what our club is and how quickly people just fall in love with it. Yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic since we come in. We all feared uh, slightly when Bree left and, and really, it's not that we haven't, it's not even that we haven't noticed the difference. It's just we've had a kind of an upgrade, really, and that's no disrespect to James Bree. I thought he was excellent. Um, yeah, I think that battle between him and Ken Seema, when we said it in the last podcast, was, I think because we anticipated that Watford might have a bit more about them, but they had absolutely nothing going forward whatsoever. And the second half was testament to that because they're, 
barely got out of their half. Um, and Drummer, so Drummer didn't have to do much because if he just managed that situation very well, very mature performance. On the other flank, Doughty's ripping holes in the other side, and and that's what you want. You've got two. If you've got you know, say old boxing cliche: if the right one don't get you, the left one's gonna. Indeed, and both were in the championship team of the month for March uh, on the Hugh scored statistics. Scummers names were any of these actually on the pitch on Saturday? Do you know what I? Um, I, I remember. I, I, I remarked to the the guy from uh, the Nationals who was sitting next to me in the press box. I goes, "Why have they not brought Sar on?" They went, "He came on ten minutes ago, mate." I went, "Oh, I didn't notice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got to be honest. I didn't either. I didn't know he was playing. You know, I knew they'd made subs, but. I mean, the microphone cuts out in the kennel offend, and so I didn't have a clue who it was who come it on. But it certainly weren't, yeah, certainly weren't a forty million pound bloke who came on, was it? And ditto that Aspria fellow who also came on is meant to be um, tasty. He certainly wasn't. Um, Tony, the reason why they weren't in the game is because our front two and Alan Campbell gave nobody a moment's peace. I mean, Carlton Morris was. Incredible. Elijah Adebayo was out of this world. And Alan Campbell, I mean, he must have recharged every single battery in that body the night before because he just went and went and went. And yeah. obviously he was the, the hero at the end. But the three of them as a as a sort of triangle, the the, the Watford defence, they couldn't get out. And then yeah. when they did manage to get out, what someone else was straight in on Chowdhury, it was, it was just a masterclass. The, the press was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it's how we play and we're very good at it. But on Saturday, I thought they were exceptional. Um, they never stopped. And you, you, you see, um, Carl Morris was substituted the way before the end. And you could see he could hardly walk, mm. you know. And you think, yeah, we, we pray a very intense high press. And you think you can't keep that up for 90 minutes. Well, that was my but fear. they did on Saturday. I don't know where they got the reserves of energy from. Just adrenaline, I mean, I'd imagine, you know, wasn't it? Yeah. Campbell covered every blade of grass. Um, added bio was unreal. And Morris just led the line so, so well. I mean... You know, you think since January with the addition of the camera, and I know we're going to talk about uh, Marvellous soon, but we've, oh, excuse me, we've now got a really good spine in that side, which is what, you know, going back to the days of David Pleat, that's what he said, you you get yourself a good spine and you, and you build around it. Well, we've sort of done it a little bit the other way. But, um, no, I think every one of those players were fantastic on Saturday. They were all up for it. Um, it was so hard to pick a man of the match. You know, they all worked. And you know what? I think they were up for it, but they knew that they owed us from that game at Vicarage Road. I know, you know, they were disappointed with that, that they let us down there. But my God, did they make up for it on Saturday. And, and I think, you know, Alan Campbell, I don't he's like one of these little battery-operated toys you just press him on the head and off he goes and he never stops. And he, he plugs away and he plugs away. And all of those three players deserved a goal. Yeah. You know, I think if it had been four, five, six nil to us, they couldn't have argued about that. They couldn't have complained about that. That's what it deserved. Um, but I'll set off for two. And uh, the incredible atmosphere. And, and the thing is, and, and it must get up their crew as well, that... They can't match us for atmosphere. 
they can't do that. They haven't got that passion at their ground. And that's some of the great things about the Kenny and what we really miss about it is the way it's so much up on top of the pitch and in the players' faces. And, <laughs> and like I said earlier, if we're like that all the time, nobody wants to come and play us. That's you. part of making the Kenny a fortress is to have the supporters on it like that, not just now and again when it's a big game. You know, we need to be like that against Blackpool on Monday. Yep. Uh, Dan, Elijah didn't hit the target, but he hit the bullseye, to be fair, and um, yeah. it was probably second best <laughs> to hit, to hit in the goal. Yeah, it's worth three points on its own, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then and then a Kenny end serenading uh, a stricken goalkeeper and asking him where his bollocks had gone was just, well, it was just theatrical beauty, wasn't it? It was... Oh, oh. Um, you know, I think it was immediately obvious that Watford didn't have a pair of bollocks between the whole squad. Well, they just you know, they were just bereft of any confidence, really. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying it just because it's Watford, but that was probably the worst performance I've seen from an eleven in all my years of watching football. That's one of the worst. And I watched five years of conference football mm. and dross, and I've been to watch football lower league. I've played lower level, and they were just they just like we said earlier, they just had no desire, no passion. And the fact that he was complaining that the ball it is bollocks was hilarious because they didn't have none. No, no, they didn't. Well, right if start when Porteous went down pretending he'd got hit in the face. Yeah, he was you soon know, told, he, wasn't he? He, he, he? Well, he was the one who I didn't mean, fancy it more than anyone yeah. because he was the one that you spoke about with the throw-in earlier yeah. and the ball went in the crowd and he wouldn't go and get it. He made the number two go and get it off the crowd, didn't he? Before yeah, he, he took the fr- as well. Before he took the throw-in and I was like... You don't fancy this one little bit, and obviously Morris ain't stupid. He can, you know, he sees what's around him, and he's he was all over him like a rash. And Elijah was all over the forty-four. The other one, he didn't fancy it either. Nor did what's the other one? Yeah, he he, he, he Elijah was all over him like a rash, wasn't he? I mean, he just just say as well when you when you said about um, was it Portis going down injured or whatever? I remember you saying when we played at their place, did you see the sniper? He was put out of business from the first minute, wasn't he? Yeah. Because yeah. like they soon realised, oh no, our game plan it won't work here because we just sort of made them made them stand up and think, well, no, actually, we're going to give you a proper game this time. It's not like the other time when we all had the shits and and we we were the ones that managed the game when we yeah. when we took it into that. It was great, Morris. When you got that corner, mm-hmm. you know, but but he kept you down. Yeah, fair enough. And then the fact that. This is the difference you say, I find between Rob Edwards and Nathan Jones is if it had been Nathan, you know, he'd have defended and kept the 1-0. Could have been a chance they'd get a lucky break or whatever. But no, we go forward and we score a second. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's um, a long way home, even though it's only 20 miles. Still no. a long way home. <laughs> Indeed, as we found out. Yes. Five months ago. Uh, James, we're going to talk about best loan signings uh, that this club have made in part two of the podcast, but Marvellous Nakamba is very much going to be part of the conversation and he showed why on Saturday. Ten tackles in the game. I highlighted in the preview that he made nine at Sunderland. He went one better on Saturday. Ten tackles. No player in the championship has made more this season in any game. And we're in round 39 uh, of the season now. I mean, this bloke... You look at the statistics, he's played 13 or 14 games. I can't remember exactly which one it is. The only goals Luton have conceded from open play, as we as we said previously, were the one that Horvath should have saved against Millwall and the second one that was offside that wasn't given. Everything else is a penalty. 
I mean, this bloke's a hell of a reason why, and he showed it on Saturday. He was immense. I had to check. I had to count that there was only one Nakamba because mm-hmm. I swear to God there was five of them at one point, but I could only find one. <laughs> he was absolutely everywhere. He's the real deal, really. I mean, he's one of the, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but uh, how they've managed to get him in in the club in the first place is, is work a genius. But the way he's just slotted in, Having not played all season, really, that's that's why he's out. Eighteen months it had been since he'd played proper yeah. football when he when he come yeah. here. I mean, but he just he just sits in front of a defence that was fairly miserly anyway, reasonably miserly, and that that record of um, not conceding really from open play. I think you can dis- discount those two Millwall ones. I know that they're technically correct, but you know. They'd well, one of them was from, from one of them was from a free kick anyway. So technically, that's not from open play. I I just if if you're an opposition team and an opposition manager trying to plot how to score against Luton, you must be scratching your head because he's he's so dominant and so dominant, and it you know he he is the player that sort of breaks it all up and then he'll pass to the the next nearest player to do the business going forward, and you think that that's a difficult role, but uh, an easy role, but. The the challenge there is so difficult in terms of reading the play and being in the right place at the right time, not leaving too much space in behind him so they can get the defence, but then also being close enough to the players in front to, to lay it off. It's very, it's an intelligent position that he has to play and the guy has got it in spades. Well, that's why I thought there was five of him on the pit because every single loose ball, whether it a poor touch or whether it was a second ball, there he is. And he's like, you can't possibly be everywhere, but he can. Also, also on those stats, he had 81 point something possession, uh, um, accuracy, sorry, in uh, passes. So, um, you know, it shows what he's not only winning the ball off and getting the most amount of tackles that anybody's put in, in the whole division this season in one game. He's then finding the right men and that's what gets Luton, you know, up the pitch a bit more. And the best part of him, Tony, well, it's not the best part, but it's part that I actually like. Everyone's screaming at him to shoot. And he's like, no, 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 that's not my role in the team. I'll give it to Alfie. I'll give it to Pelly. I'll give it to someone who can actually shoot. But then, doesn't he? Every time he gets the ball like 40 yards, it's shoot. Sorry, lads, not happening. I'll give it to who I'm supposed to give it to. Just have the humbleness to come down from it. This is an international footballer who's played 70 odd games for his country. He's an absolute legend. I mean, you've only got to see the Zimbabwean social accounts that are following the Luton accounts since he signed. Mm. This bloke is like God out in Zimbabwe. He's played Champions League football with Ethan Orvath, incidentally. He's played God knows how many Premier League games. And he's come to Luton. He's humble enough to do that. And like have people shouting shoot at him when he's 30 yards out. And I've no doubt at all that he can ping a ball from 30 yards. You don't get to where he is if you can't. Mm. But no, that's not my job in the side. My job in the side is to win it and give it to someone else. Yeah, um, he is. And and you look, it, he's so good at reading the game. I've not seen a midfielder read the game. And, and he's positioning. He knows exactly where he, And there's none of the ego or big I am about him or whatever you know on the odd occasions when somebody does get past him or he he hasn't got the better of them he's back there again at them looking to win the ball and you're right he knows where people are you know and nine times out of ten the ball is the right ball he he's just absolutely incredible and when when you look at him he he, he 
you know, when you when you look at Alan Campbell and you see he runs about and whatever, and you look at Marvelous, and you, he looks like he's just so cool. I'm not even breaking sweat. You know, just, he's having a stroll in the Sunday yeah, League, isn't he? Yeah. He's, and he's such a, a lovely guy as well. You know, he, he, you'd have thought somebody at that stage would have been, you know. I'm a bit better than this, but no, he's come in, he's taken to the culture at the club, the club's taken to him, and... He's got a song already. Yeah, he has, <laughs> and, you know, he, and the thing Which is... Which, ironically, there was game, a few tequilas sunk after the game yeah, on Saturday yeah. as well. <laughs> every game, he gets better and better. And, you know, he, he could be uh, the final piece in that promotion-seeking jigsaw. Oh yeah, he's the you know, he's the crowning jewel on top of the. You know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I know we'll talk about Friday's game, but, but you know, I, I'd often thought going to Millwall, you know, you'd like because of the way they are. But having him in the midfield, I'm thinking, you know, although they they ping it a bit and whatever, you still know that he's going to be there. He's going to be organising it. He's, you know, I'm but they didn't. About I mean, Friday. they didn't have a sniff. Uh, other than the goals that got gifted to them, they didn't yeah. have a sniff at Kenworth Road. So yeah, they couldn't believe they won. Yeah, but that was they, they, they drew. I should say. But that was the, um, the that that was the difference between the two kind of Watford games in many ways, um, yeah. Dan. Because down there, our midfield was wide open for them to plough through on regular occasion. And actually, if you think back to the Nathan Jones part of the season or the pre Nakamba part of the season. Every single team attacked the centre of our defence. You think of the Coventry goals, the yeah. two long balls straight through the middle. There were countless other ones. Middlesbrough scored one as well that came through uh, the middle. Uh, I think Wigan's equaliser uh, at home came through. They all came through, but now they, they can't. They can't no. come through the middle because this bloke's like, nope, ain't happening, son. Think of another way. Oh, okay, then well, we'll go wide. Cody's like, nope, yeah. not happening, son. Oh, well, we'll go the other... No, 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 that's not happening either. And when they do put a ball in, Lockie's like, fuck that. That's going the other way. How can you... Yeah, I think only Burnley have conceded fewer goals than us in the league. And it's no surprise because... And only they have lost fewer games than us as well this season. You know, just just those two games in in isolation, the two Watford games, just tells you the difference he's made to us. It does, yeah. I think... I remember saying it back then. I've got nothing against Luke Freeman playing either because he, he the role he does and he's very good on the ball but it was the wrong move that day hindsight's wonderful obviously but he was slightly Freeman's a more advanced player he's not necessarily a defensive player he's a bit of a luxury player that you can sort of bring in for an hour or the last 20 minutes or whatever to see a game out um, and the way that game ended up playing out you know you, you needed somebody to hold it really like had Lansbury been fit that day it might have been a better option to go with him if we'd have had Nakamba then it'd have been even better because let's face it, it's, it they're not doing this 4-0 you know no. whether the team's got the shit so I still think Nakamba's probably good enough to hold that midfield on his own um, and and he showed that on Saturday really you know the, the, the difference is there for all to see isn't it because you know it not only is he just a quality, quality footballer to have in there. He knows his job. He knows the, the role at the back of his hand. And I dare say he's a bit, a bit like a poor man's Kante, if you like. <laughs> I've, I've seen him play for when he played for Leicester the year they won the league. Every blade of grass. And it's the same same thing. You know, you only play what's in front of you. It's championship football. But you can tell that he's played the higher level. And you can tell that 
you know, his quality is always going to show. And, you know, Watford, for all the millions that they've they spent on players and, you know, the hundred, like 30 grand, 40 grand a week or whatever they're on for each player, you know, one player probably earns more than our squad as a collective in a week. And you wouldn't have any single one of them anywhere near your side. No, looking at the game. Not even, not, not even looking at the two games either because they... All right, yeah, they battered us. Let's let's be honest about it. They they did batter us. The four 0 probably flattered them a bit because we were we were fucking awful. Um, but they they still weren't that great. They still weren't that great. And I I remember thinking back then, if if they played us when we were on it, I'd like to have seen how that game would have played mm. out. But going back to what you were saying, yeah, Nick Campbell was certainly the difference there. I mean, looking at the game, you'd have thought, which side had got the multi-million plan players? Yeah, which side has spent the most of the last 10 years you, in the Premier League? Been them. No. no, you're absolutely <clears throat> right. Uh, the first goal, James. You know, I keep on hearing how Luton are direct and play to the front two and this, that, and all, <coughs> the, all the other nonsense. Defender to midfielder to defender to midfielder to defender, goal. Beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely beautiful, one of uh, the best moves of the season, and um, yeah, assisted in the end by Pelly. Who I didn't think would be anywhere near the pitch, let alone doing that and, and setting things off. And <clears throat> it was everything that Luton deserved at, at the time. They were pressing and pressing. You know, Watford had a reasonable first ten minutes, but um, they did nothing with the ball, as they did nothing with it all game. They had the most possession if you look at that stat, but they did nothing with it. And everything that Luton did was um, with a purpose and that was the, the most purposeful thing. And they just ran rings around uh, Watford players and it was such a beautiful one-touch move. The fact that two defenders were involved in that <clears throat> shows exactly what uh, quality Luton have in the attacking fronts. You know, Gabe Osho scoring the goal. Um, I mean, it's it's just fairy tale stuff for him, and it absolute redemption. And um, you know, I spoke to him afterwards. We had a good long, I think it must have been a fifteen minute press conference. And if you're looking for a player that epitomises what Luton are about, <clears throat> he showed it on the pitch. But then off the pitch, he was the most eloquent and insightful interview I think I've done probably this season, probably for a long time. Just how he look at what just happened and yeah, he was buzzing by it and, and he admitted essentially that it was a redemption for him, but how he could just uh, assess his season and, and what's happened and, and what's coming and his form. And it's just a wonderful interview. He's a very intelligent guy, but Luton have all, all of the players pretty much all over the squad. You can do that and you can have a proper good chat with them. And there, there's no airs and graces about any of them. They're, they're, they're lovely blokes, and um, you know it's uh, it's just a wonderful tale for for him to have to have stuck that stuck that one in. And um, I, I dare say, like me, everybody's watched the replay of that a million times because uh, you know we're going to have a segment later on in this podcast about uh, goals, and that's got to be well in the mix already. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, we're trying really hard to uh, line up a time where we can have Gabe on this podcast and uh, unfortunately it hasn't happened yet but it, we will do it if if we don't get him um before then either myself or james will get him for a few minutes at the presentation evening we'll do a special podcast like we did last season and we'll get gabe's thoughts because uh yeah he's an incredible human being you're absolutely right about that uh, the second goal tony mm-hmm. 
How many times did we have that corner that went to the back stick and how many times did we win that header? And they still didn't stop it. They still didn't put a tall person there. Morris must have won that particular header half a dozen times. I think we had nine corners in total in the game. And he must have won that back stick header six times. One of them uh, fell to the feet of Campbell and the goalkeeper made a brilliant save in the first half. But there was no save in it in the second half. I mean... It's, you, all, you sat there as a new, if he was a neutral and you're thinking, surely they've worked out where this corner's going by now. But no, still didn't happen. But a brilliant move. Brilliant head back from Morris. Uh, I don't know what, which part Lockyer played. I think it just hit him more than anything else. But we are when it fell to him. I mean, get it in the back of the net and get off and celebrate, son. Yeah, I, I mean, it, Alan Campbell... He's similar to Luke Berry in, in, in that thing. They they have this knack of being in the right place at the right time. And he was there and he deserved it. He deserved it for that performance. And uh, again, you know, you, you're saying about the same move. It, it, it was all the time. And, and you, you sort of think they hadn't sussed it out. But I cannot believe Chris Wilder being the manager of that he is. He must have spotted that and seen that and actually said something to his players because, you know, even on the... You run a Sunday morning pub side and you see something like that, you say, for God's sake, sort this out, or you do this, you do that. It was literally every corner Alfie took. They they, they either didn't listen to him or they didn't care. You know, and, and... but the thing is, even if they'd put somebody out there, the, the, the way Morris was playing, I don't think they'd have stopped him. You know, they... Yeah, all, all I said, all our eleven were men on a mission on on uh, on Saturday. Well, apart from Ethan, he, he didn't exactly. Have oh, he was on a mission to join in that celebration uh, when Campbell scored. He was in a mission to get there, though. I mean, my word! But, I mean, it would be a good race between Shay celebrating the Bournemouth goal last season and Ethan celebrating the Watford goal this season. If someone can put that video together, I'd love to know who gets from the penalty box to the celebration Colin, the quickest. You, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it really would be um, fantastic. Yeah. You're absolutely right, though. We, we were all men on missions. And um, uh, it was... And actually, also, the, the, the second goal, just vindication for the game, wasn't it? Because if we'd won that 1-0, yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. But... You know, but this one and it, that I called it, and that well. you called it. It was the icing. It was just it, it wasn't even the icing on the cake. That, like, I called the result. It, it just added that little gloss on top of it, didn't it? You know, yeah, it, it it did, and and the fact that it was in stoppage time as well, one minute in, and and just to see Chowdhury fall on his knees as well, and and it, you know, it, it it was just all round absolutely brilliant, you know, because. A neutral looking at a game and, 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 and not seeing the game and, and seeing a 1-0 scoreline, you say, oh, that's a close game, that could have gone either way, but a second goal, 2-0, says a lot. Yeah. You know, and, Do you know what, if only um, the neutrals could have seen it, it's one of the most bizarre decisions of the um, broad, yeah. broadcast season Yeah, that uh, Sky looked at the fixtures of that day and decided uh, Luton-Watford-Derby at Kenilworth Road for the first time in 17 years with their old manager who was at Luton, at Watford at the start of the season, now at Luton, and so many other subplots. And they went, I oh, know what we need to screen live, lads. Blackpool versus Preston. I mean, it left a lot of us scratching our heads, didn't it? Yeah, because uh, I, they have televised 
the derby in the past. Yeah. And it's always been uh, good TV for them. Mm. And Saturday was, you know, and, and uh, I, I suppose that's the only thing that let us down really was that the, the, the general nation didn't see their humiliation I think Sky must think Luton v Millwall was the derby because that's yeah. on every bloody game and it's oh, no. the, they're shit it's games to watch as although, well although, although I think uh, you know it deprived the, the rest of the country from seeing that day but it kind of makes if you were there on oh, that yeah. day it makes it a little bit more I mean, that, that was a day in 20 years oh, time it was, it, was, it was unbelievable yeah. it, 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 you know, you, you walk into the ground and, and, and you have that you know, anticipation, but Saturday was, you know, it was like, the only way I can describe it is like a tingle. Yeah, it was an excitement. And then when you go up the steps and you see the pitch and, you, and, and it was just unbelievable. It was. Absolutely I, I'll give you a small insight that was very niche to me, but I loved it, uh, of how unbelievably electric the atmosphere was mm. when Alan Campbell scored that goal the the front row in front of the press benches went absolutely crackers like I've never seen before like it's quite a way up the press box from that seat down there because me and you have a debrief every day and, <laughs> and I have to of, stand on it yeah it's like I'm uh, up there with my little parapet isn't it but um they were they were jumping around so I was seeing heads and arms going over the place and then they were bashing the front of the press box on their side they bashed it so hard that mine and mike simmons from the luton news our laptop plugs were bashed out of their sockets has <laughs> never happened before and i just thought it was so remarkable well, my, my, my cousin who uh, unfortunately couldn't get a ticket for the game on saturday said he, he was in his flat in, and he lives in Arthur Street, in in uh, not far from you, yeah. in, in right in uh, the town centre. And he said, if his window shut, he still heard the roar. <laughs> he knew that we'd scored. Yeah. You know, and he said it, it, the noise that you could hear was unbelievable. Mm. And you know, it, it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so proud at being a, a Luton fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, just to timestamp it. And so obviously it's 14 years ago today that we won the JPT and we all think and we all know the date, don't we? April the 5th, uh, 2009. Well, we're always going to remember April the 1st, 2023, aren't we? It's just... Along it's just, with April 24th. Absolutely. And that's obviously, yeah, you know, three weeks away, the Little Woods Cup um, anniversary 20 35 years this year it's if my maths is correct and i think it is even at this time yeah. of night <laughs> um one man left to talk about dan and we've saved him for last and we've purposefully saved him for last the man who masterminded it all who started there and has finished here you know what i mean the guy's unbelievable rob edwards um i'll i'll, I'll get all of your opinions on him actually but i'll just come to you first there's an awful lot of managers in the derby not just a derby, take the derby atmosphere out of it and all of that. When you're fourth in the league and you're pushing for automatic promotion and you need three points, you're one nil up, you get a corner. Probably 95% of the managers just put two men in the corner, keep it down there, you know, waste time and all that, lads. No, 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 none of this, Robert. Rob Edwards. Cutler centre asked, go forward. Morris, get in the box, we're putting this in. And not only did we put it in, we've got the header, we've got another header and we've scored. Yeah. Not many managers are doing that, given the situation. So kudos to him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you put it like that, definitely. Um, you, you know, your natural instinct for most managers, like you say, is 
get it in the corner. Particularly as we spent the last five minutes trying to keep the thing in the bloody corner (laughs) anyway. I mean, there there was a few people around me going, why are we doing that? And it's not something I agree with. I've I've fell out with people before for doing it in teams that I've played in. I think think it's because it's a massive wind-up. If you can do it for a sustained amount of time, then it really properly rubs the salt in. It is. I've played in teams that have tried to hold it in the corner for the last five minutes, ended up conceding. And I had a guy done it twice in a -a five-a-side team. We were 3-1 up and lost 4-3 because we... He'd held the ball in the corner a couple of times, and, and but, even, right but even if you're going to put the corner over, to have Lockyer up there, yeah, mm. you know, yeah. And then, like, I mean, I must admit, when Lockyer came forward, I was like, "Come on now, Tom, <laughs> shimmy back, mate." You know, I do remember turning to my dad and saying, "We've only got Amari Bell on the halfway line." Yeah, if Bell they, and if, Bell, if Bell, Bell away, and Drame, and that was it. Yeah, if if if, if they get away. You know, they have got pace in those players that are supposedly worth ninety grand a week or whatever. Um, to do us some damage if it gets if it gets away, there's only Amari to clear up. But um, yeah, no, f- full credit to Rob Edwards for doing that because I think even he, he you know, at one nil in any derby or any game for that matter, you're still not c- like definitely going to get the the result even if you're in the second minute of stoppage time of the fourth as we were when we when we scored. Um, so yeah. Pack it, pack the box in, and and the other thing as well, like all the Watford's players were in the box as well, and you know we had a Morris had a free header, Lockyer's pretty much available. By the time it's come to Campbell, their defender's gone. Oh shit! But by then it's ricocheted off the keeper's leg and it's buried in the bottom corner, and Kenilworth Road erupts. Pandemonium sets in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. it was, it was uh, akin to Hull in two thousand and five. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, no, that's off them when Berkeley jumped across, jumped yeah, over. Yeah. The six foot six whole centre half. That's a great five foot of him. That, that, <laughs> just, that, yeah, that's a great shout. The only other amazing. time I can remember the Kenny being that noisy was when Keith Keane done it from the corner against Oxford. Oxford. Oh, Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. same manager in the opposition dugout as well. It's uh, Wilder. Oh, yes. Yes. Wilder must be like no, no injury time, please, ref. <laughs> no, we don't need none of that shit. But hey, you did, you got it, and you I got exactly I, what I you deserved. Full credit as well, and you can understand it. it was two of their players just straight down the tunnel. I'm out of here. I don't want any more. Mm. And the fact that if they hadn't have done that and they'd have gone over to their fans, they'd have been given pelters as well, like the rest of them. Well, I mean, to be fair, how much they don't care though. To be be fair, their fans made was to boo their players at the end of it. (laughs) To to be fair, uh, there wasn't a Watford player uh, that went up that tunnel that didn't. Get told what Luton fans thought of their footballing abilities, and <laughs> you just absolutely loved to that, hear that it, was didn't the you? Chart with the game, though, wasn't it? No noise from the bus wank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a magical day in the stands, and uh, you know, obviously he played it down Rob Edwards, but we knew, you know, you you're only you're a human being, and uh, oh, you can everyone tell from the way he celebrated. You know, and I think it's. Well, listen. He, I mean, he admitted he was emotional, didn't he? That's as much as he gave. He, but there was did. more. There he, was more. He did. That. I mean, he, he. There were more fist bumps. There was a longer time to enjoy it. He usually hangs back, and he's the last person to leave to go down the tunnel. But he, he, he savoured every last second of that, and rightly so. Absolutely, because, rightly. You so. know, that lot um, told him in summer, come hell or high water, they're going to stick by him, and mm-hmm. they're going to abandon this hire and fire policy. They're now on their third manager, by the way. When they sacked him after 11 games, they were in 10th. They're now in 11th. And they've had two managers. And he's just ended their season. Yeah, yeah essentially. 
you know, he's ended. They're yeah. not going. Ma- mathematically, they can still make. Yeah, the yeah, playoffs, they can. But, but if you gonna. watch the game on Saturday, they're there's, going there's nowhere. Too many. There's too many teams in the championship yeah. that have yeah. got more momentum. They're, yeah, they're it. going nowhere. You also, just, you only have to look at when you talk about the the and and you've talked about this from two seasons ago on my website. Did a piece about how the trajectories of the two different clubs. Uh, completely I can't different. believe you didn't share. You haven't shared this in the aftermath of this. I mean, if I ever, if, if ever, if ever it's been set up perfectly, and it's just I'm just waiting on Twitter for it, to, but it ain't come up. Kev's finest hours yeah. shunned. But, but just just to see that what Luton have done uh, on and off the pitch and the unity and the togetherness and how it's completely opposite there and it's 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 toxic is the word that I've heard and I've, I've listened to a couple of Watford podcasts. They've been sweet yeah, nectar they well. <laughs> and they've been all saying that the toxic stuff. And that's because of the people in charge and long may they stay in, by the way, hashtag Potso in. <laughs> it's because they hire and fire these managers and the players all know that if they don't fancy the manager that's currently in, they can down tools and in five months, five months they're all gone. Um, but it's now so like ingrained into their whole psyche that, that's what they did at Luton. They they just didn't, they weren't up for it. And the reason why I, I personally felt so comfortable with Luton going into the corner for the last five minutes was because they had nothing in the tank. They'd absolutely lost it. Down tools in that game. They wanted it to be over. They wanted to be out of that ground. They didn't want anything more to do with Luton. And, you know, I thought it was wonderful to see. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> Whilst we're bigging up um, articles on your website, the, um, <laughs> the tweet about the T-Urn, I, I applaud you for that. The tweet about the T-Urn was great, but the salty uh, sort of reaction piece that's on there, I mean, if, if you need to pick me up at any stage over the next um, few days, just yeah. log on to the Lutonian well, and check that out. It's fantastic. One, one of the, the <laughs> funniest things for me as well, was the final touch from the players, particularly Pelly and Sonny Bradley waving bye-bye to the Watford fans before and they th- went down the tunnel. That and I think great. Pelly had two fingers on one hand and uh, sort of circle on the other as if to say 2-0, just, just in case, because they can't see the scoreboard, they'd forgotten what the score was. Yeah. Well, some, uh, some of them seem to, seem to think that aggregate scoring yeah, counts in league football. Yeah, but. no, not well, as I said, that guy who uh, they were all going on about being salty, as I said, you know... Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. Credit to Dan four, for that four, phrase. Four, I've nicked it off him, by the way. Four-two on aggregate. Yeah. So, oh well, we might as well just give them the six points. But I just felt, you know, mind the gap. Yeah, know, exactly. You know, four-two on aggregate, cap. and you're still twelve points you, behind you us, know, and however many goals. Dry your eyes before you eat those sour grapes. You know, <laughs> you can Indeed. have you can have four-nil wins all year, like in October, like I said to James before we come on here. You know, you can have those results early on in the season. It means absolutely fuck all if eight games to go, you're 12 points yeah. behind the chasing yeah, pack, yeah. which you're expecting yourself to be heavily involved and in. Also, if you're going to hark on about that result, yeah. Arthur Luton had the shits yeah, <laughs> in that game, yeah. whereas uh, on Saturday, just look, Watford were shit. And yeah, we're indeed. doing it at the business end of the season. Exactly, That's, exactly. That and, is, that is, like you say, you know, I always said, I said earlier, I'd like to have seen us full fit Luton play Watford again at Vicarage Road and see what happens then because they're not getting a 4-0 again like, yeah well to be honest I don't I was going to say to be honest I don't want to see that for a little while actually I'm quite happy if I don't see that fixture for a few years because obviously it will mean we'll never play you again you will mean that we're um, so getting promoted well, they, they sung that about us didn't they Watford yeah uh, well they, they sung that in October well, but they, they clearly forgot they were two managers I, away from, and six months from I remember Brentford well, so. singing that about us the day that we went out of the Football League and uh, obviously we've played them since and hopefully we'll be playing them in the Premier League 
next season. Whether it was your first derby, your twenty first, or your hundred and first derby, you got to have loved Saturday. It was a day as a Luton fan we'll never ever forget, and we thank all of the players for everything they did on Saturday, and of course the main man Rob Edwards, who is masterminding what is a absolutely brilliant season. I'm loving every minute of it, and one of the reasons why I'm loving every minute of it, James, is because we're deep in the promotion mix, and what got us right into the automatic promotion mix prior to the derby was a win at Sheffield United. Now we've gone to Burnley and we've drawn, gone to Sheffield United and we've won. We've gone to Middlesbrough and we only lost because we had 10 men and lost in injury time. You know, these results are iconic results in a season of promotion, hopefully promotion. But that day at Sheffield United, we made them look very, very, very ordinary. And, um, you know, I mean, Robert would said in the head of the game on it, Bramwell Lane, one of the iconic grounds in the country great atmosphere etc 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 we made it look like it was just a normal saturday afternoon at the office well flute and score one on the road then it's it's, it's going to be a win isn't it unless the referee chimes in with an undeserved penalty well indeed uh, yeah then it's going to be that way um i mean that goal elijah absolutely does john flick all left, left, right and centre, nutmegs, gone round the other side, puts the ball across. Apparently weren't a shot on target from Morris. Don't quite know how that one works, Mr Heckenbottom. That's but a proper finish, that is. Uh, that I was don't know lot. how he's flicked it in, to be fair. That was a lot. I mean, I've got to be honest, when I stood there and it, it was my side of the goal as well, so I should have seen it. I thought he hit the keeper's knee and went in. I thought mm. it was an own goal. But then I've seen it on the telly and it's an absolute exquisite finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's proper striking. Though. But get, it weren't a shot on target. Get in front of your man, flick it in. Um, it's you know he, it's a great finish, but it owes a lot to Elijah as well. The fact they're working so well is brilliant. But um, you know, Luton are doing everything they can, and it's not dead. Automatic promotion? No, it's not. They beat that club. Um, they're the ones to chase. Uh, I know that they won at the weekend, so the gap's now sort of six points, but. Luton are doing everything they can to chase down the teams above. You, no one's catching Burnley, but they've caught Middlesbrough now, and the next the next one and Middlesbrough still to come. By the way, as well as Blackburn Rovers, and so, Borough have got yeah. to, uh, and Sheffield United have, have both got to play Burnley. Yeah, hold yeah. fire on all of that. We'll come to that in part two of the podcast when we uh, look ahead to that. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. The front two that day were brilliant. They were just as good against Bristol City on the Wednesday night before it, and actually. Sometimes the game after the good game is the bigger game because if you don't win the game after, then the game that you've won to set yourself up, you basically cut it in half, haven't you? And yeah. we'll have this on Friday as well. Mm. It was billed as like Harry's return, wasn't it? And, you know, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and slag him off because what he's done for the football club was absolutely brilliant. But it was almost like the night showed just how we've moved on from that. You know, how, how we are better than that now and how it was only one nil. I'm not overly sure, but it was as controlled a one nil as you're going to get. And mm. on a Wednesday night, just a brilliant three points. We, we deserved on that showing to, to win that game two or three nil, you know, and we never looked in any trouble at all. I didn't think Bristol City offered anything. And, you know, um, it was good to see Harry. And he did get a good reception at the end, but um, the only effort he had on goal was like a... He must have thought he was still playing for Luton because he was like a pass back to our keeper, you know, and and they're playing him as an out-and-out out number nine and he's not that type of player. Um, you know, but 
we deserved it. it, it it's like the Luton juggernaut rolling on. You know, we look at these teams that come to us and we haven't looked out of place, even when we played Burnley. You know, should, yeah, yeah, I we, thought they were a better we, team. We deserved yeah. something out of that game. At least. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, you look at Cornick and Naismith both joining Bristol City and it can purely just be for money because they certainly haven't done anything to further their careers there. Um, the, the City fans aren't having Cornick at all. And I feel, no, you know, I feel sorry for him in that aspect. I don't, I don't feel sorry for him in the fact that he's gone there and he's earning, lo- he's earning loads more money, so fair play to him. But there must be a point, and this, it happens to loads of players, but you've come from this club where it's such a universal feeling and you feel part of it all and then you go over there and, yeah, you're earning more money, but the fans don't like you. They stitch you up by giving you the number nine shirt. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it must kind of feel that you're never going to get back to what you had before and you know that's whether he sees that as a challenge maybe it's just diff- he probably look at it it's early doors yet I've still got a lot to offer I mean but they're a million miles off the Premier League which is what he was yeah. saying in his first interviews when he went down there wasn't it a million yeah. miles and he's he's not a no he didn't no he didn't at all and he you know he's he's not a 15 to 20 goal a season striker either no he's not uh, no which Bristol City are quickly finding out um but yeah, like you say, good luck to him. He's earning earning good money there, and you know yep. it, it, we've we've far outgrown him anyway. So. And he got a good reception, which was yeah. important. Um, minutes away from a nine point week, which would have been absolutely lovely. Um, mm. I'm not going to come on to the referee decision too much because I think we bored everyone rigid uh, last time. <laughs> but um, funnily enough, we, for once in our life, we actually got a fluky goal. You know, it went straight through the goalkeeper. I, I mean, Alfie's got a good left foot on him, but he didn't mm. hit that one particularly hard yet somehow it's made its way through I mean actually the chance that he had two minutes before that was an easier chance than the one and a better, and a better yeah. save than the one that the, the goalkeeper saved but mm. for all money it looked like we were um, going to win another 1-0 away game like you said 1-0 was usually enough and then and less penalties come into play that's what I said and blind referees I mean that was one of the worst, worst not one of worst. not one of not one of the worst where we'd be in the league yeah. If it wasn't for those god awful decisions, well, not, we, we not one of the worst, off, didn't yeah. we? When we gave away that was the abs- six points from three games where you know there were silly penalties. And Osho's one at Coventry was stupid, it was a pen, but there was the Burnley one, which is just unfortunate, you know. And it's the fine, fine margins, but then you know, we, we're still winning games like Sheffield United 1 0, Bristol City 1 0. There, we're still picking the points up and we're still in those positions, but you do wonder where we'd be, you know, we'd, we'd be comfortably in second on just those four games that we've talked about. I mean, we spoke in the last full podcast that we did about these refereeing decisions and how they keep getting worse and worse. Well, I mean, the the Sunderland referee who should not have been in charge of that game as his first game in the championship. You cannot referee in front of 38,000 or whatever in your first game, a promotion side, both teams needing the points, a huge game. I mean, I think Reading played Hull or something along those lines on that same day. I mean, that's the perfect game Two mid table sides. Give him that game understand the magnitude of the game. He was out of his depth from start to finish, the referee. Um, They're the worst decision I've ever seen. I mean, Amari Bell shields the ball out, absolutely no problem. And as he runs up the other end, you know, Armadillo, as I call him, um, just chucked himself on the floor, literally just chucked himself on the floor. Mm -hmm. To be fair, the referee didn't give it. And then the linesman, who, I mean... He's the other side for starting. What, what game he was playing at, I do not know, but he, he weren't, at that, weren't at them particular races. And 
he's just given a penalty and it's like, you know, you put in all that effort and then one decision like that, and it's a horrendous decision. I don't think I've seen anyone who can even come up with a reason why he can give a I mean, penalty it, for it. It's, it's just... Never a penalty. I mean, they were glad they got it. But yeah, it yeah, absolutely. But you know, you, then you look at it and you look back at it now, and you're like, you're four points off Sheffield United if you hold on. And like Dan just said, it's that's a massive thing. But to be fair, the boys at Sunderland absolutely superb. Those those people that we've spoke about all through this podcast: Lockyer, Nakamba, Drame, Doughty, Bell, absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, long may it continue. You know, we had a long discussion about what could be done with referees in the last podcast. I don't want to go over gr- old ground, go go back and have a listen. But to you that. can have, you but, can, um, you can match them up better. That's the first thing you can do. He should not have been in charge of that game. My my little girl has since um, discovered on BBC Iron Player this program called The Deadly Sixty, where this bloke who's like the English Steve Irwin just goes around and finding these animals and stuff, um, these very dangerous animals, and he goes around sometimes with a camera on his head. And I'm just thinking, if you want accountability, stick a camera on the ref. We've got all this technology. Stick a camera on the ref's head. They, and it, that's what you're seeing. You'd be able to see that. They do it in rugby, or have done it yeah, in rugby yeah, league. You'll be able to see what he's seeing then. And, and, and then you could get a sense of what he's looking at then. Why are we so, you know, reticent to use these things or give them a go? It's just it's well, Yeah, no, I like the game if the referee could come out. Like it could be interviewed and say, well, why did you give that decision? Yeah, you can, you well, know, this, on this... Said, well, the view I had, or I didn't see this because that was blocked or whatever, or, you know, at least explain themselves. Well, on this occasion, it'd be because the useless See You Next Tuesday told me to give it. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, the guy on Saturday had a good game. He did, he had a brilliant game. Yeah, he was. He a but... Not, I'm not saying that because we won. Well, but no, he was an ex- a referee was, should be anonymous. If you're having a yeah. good game, you're anonymous. But he was an experienced team. official up to the task of the game, whereas this Sunderland fellow refereeing in his first championship game, first championship game and you send him to the biggest ground in the division. Mm. I mean, come on now. Someone use a brain cell for fuck's sake. You know, it's not, I'm not just saying. That's asking a bit much though. But do you know what I mean? They can match these people up an awful lot better and give, them half, give them half a chance. You know, I mean, I'm... The biggest critic of a referee, but you got to give them half a chance. But they didn't. But uh, seven points from that week, obviously added to three from uh, Watford. We're in fantastic form, and uh, long may it continue. Speaking of fantastic form, Cody Dramay. You know, we are going to have a discussion in part two of the podcast about loan signings, and we're not just going to focus on uh, Marvelous Nakam, but we will include Cody Dramay in the discussion. But this fella. Whew, I mean, I look at Leeds and I've got one of my mates is a Leeds fan. And I'm like, what the fuck have you given us your best right back for whilst you're pissing around in the relegation zone? In? Mm. I don't get it. But this bloke, this kid's absolutely superb. And uh, you like you said earlier on, when James Bree left, you're like, Oof, if there's one player, you're not sure if we could replace, he's the one. Yeah. My word, we've replaced him and, you know... It, even his assists, uh, that game against Bristol City, what a cross for Morris's header. I mean, unbelievable, but he's up and down that line. He's got pace to burn. If someone goes past him, and it's a bloody rarity if they do, but if someone goes past him, he's straight back there and getting the ball off him. He never knows I'll have when that. he's beaten, does he? Never knows when he's beaten. Got so much quality on the ball. I mean, this kid, I mean, if we can get him out of Leeds, dear me, we'd have a player. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, if you're comparing with James Bree, I just it just seems like an upgrade, really. And yeah, I think no, no disrespect to James Bree. I think I really it, if you're doing like football manager stats kind of things, the only way place you'd have Bree ahead of him is maybe dead balls. Yeah, potentially, but I mean that nobody he doesn't take the free kicks, then does he? So um, it's a difficult one to call that. It's not. Um, Probably not a fair assessment, but for everything else, I think um, he's he's more dynamic uh, than James Ree. James Ree would look to cross it quick and early, and that's good. Uh, it was good. I think it worked he takes well. Better corners than James Ree. Yeah, but he gets to the byline as well, and it's that is so dangerous. I think <clears throat> you know it's always said that football is an easy game, a simple game, um, and a lot of the time it's complicated. But when you've got Fullbacks like you had in the League One with uh, Justin and Stacey, who were just determined to take players on and get into dangerous positions to set up the strikers. And you've got it now again with Alfie Doughty and, and, and Drame. And Drame did that from the minute he got into that side. There was no bedding in, no um, <clears throat> unconfidence, anything about him. He was straight in there. Can I beat that last man and get to the byline? Yes, I can. And it's it's really exciting to see and fantastic to watch. And I think it gets people excited about uh, the attacking play when you've got two of them that are doing that. And, you know, for, like you say, for a young lad that bizarrely can't get into the lead side, it's, it's their loss. Yeah, it really is their loss. Like, as I say, because I've got to make you support leads when they're on the box off make a point of uh, watching them so I can take the mickey out of him and I'm like every single time I'm messaging him like what have you given us drama for when you've got this bloke at right back and he's like don't please just don't and <laughs> hopefully they give us him permanently Tony because he, he's just fitting perfectly isn't he yeah he's, he's great he's uh, I love his attitude um, like we've already said he never knows when he's beaten he and, and his determination, you know, like you've already said, Kev, when he loses a ball, he's back there. He's, well, he did it several times on, on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I, I always to me, although, I, again, I'm not disrespecting James Bree, but James Bree never really looked like a right back to me. He always struck me as he, he'd be the sort of a right-hand uh, midfielder in a four-four-two. As as a, as opposed to a wing back, he did occasionally quite well in centre back as well when forced. Yeah, he yeah. looked all yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah, Correct. but I mean, uh, when you're playing wing backs, um, Cody Cody is the is the real deal, and it's so good to see that we've got two decent wing backs. You know, I think these are the best since uh, JJ and and Stacey, and you know we're balanced. We look good and. Um, you know, even Alfie, he doesn't know when he's beaten either. He'll, he'll get stuck in there, and and it's great. That's what you want in a team. And and you know, Cody seems to have bought into the Luton way, the Luton ethos, um, and it, it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, if we could do it, I'd love to see us get both Cody and the Camber on permanence mm. in the summer. I don't think it'll happen because it's the money side of things, isn't it? But um, you just don't know, though, do you? Don't know, if we you don't up, know how much yeah. you don't know how much they're enjoying just being part of a team that yeah. you know. I mean, I I remember nine years ago, uh, we got no chance of signing Cameron McGee, and 
Cameron McGeehan signs, oh, we've got no chance of signing Pelly Ruddock permanently, Pelly Ruddock signs, because they were part of something special yeah. that they loved. And sometimes there are footballers out there who will will, and, will and, want and to play first-team football and be part of something special of over the pay packet. As well, will, will come to us um, as well that you're saying that, Kev, because they see there's a pathway for them to move on. And, and Luton generally improve players that join us. But that was the case with Cameron McGeehan. He he said said often that... We'll allow them to go when the right offer comes in. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. If Dramay's just going to go back to Leeds and sit on a bench, his career's better for him to come to Luton. Okay, yeah, his bank account might not be as as lucrative, but maybe maybe in the long term. I mean, what is he, 21, 22, something something like that. So he's got 15 years in the... So he's got 15 years in the game. Yeah. So if, if if he takes a, a hit for the next two or three years with Luton, he'll soon make it up again in the other 12, wouldn't he? You know, as opposed to sat on the Leeds bench. And hopefully someone tells him that. And um, well, I think they will, I mean, because Luton have never been shy uh, in this uh, last decade of saying that if a player uh, develops quicker than the club, then they'll have Yeah, to I mean, you've only got to look at the players that have gone, haven't you? You know, the, 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 that's the case, JJ. Uh, in particular, but also you've only got to look at the loan players to see that they get improved. I mean, yeah. uh, on drama, Dan, we've got a bloody good defender when the opposition have got the ball. We've got a bloody good attacker when yeah. we've got the ball. It's like we've got two players in one down that right hand side. Again, yeah. And how many to- how many players have we said that about this season already? With Alan Campbell, Jordan Clark, and Marvellous Nakamba as well, just to name three. We're playing fifteen players, aren't yeah, we? It, it's almost an unfair advantage. It's like playing Dagenham and Redbridge. Well, we're playing, playing against four. Teams. We're playing it. Yeah, indeed, we're playing against fourteen. So we may as well try and yeah. try and yeah. play exactly. with fifteen. Exactly, and you know, it, again. Again, you know, no disrespect to James Debris, it is, it is a better upgrade. You know, the, the boys have already said that, and he's 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 a bit younger, but he's what the habit that we have with with Luton. Whenever a player goes, I'm not really that concerned anymore um, because whoever comes in is just always better. Oh yeah. And, I mean, chapeau to, chapeau to the recruitment team. Yeah. I mean, now oh, yeah. they've picked these two out, where they picked them out from. But I can, I can remember back in the distant past being a, you know, a fan and, and your star player goes and you're thinking, because I, 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 I can remember on several occasions, you know, you lose a decent forwarder. Where are the goals coming from? Yeah. Where, it's not like that now. Not like that at all now. No, exactly. I mean... We bring somebody in. Well, also, Edwards has a history in the England youth setup as well. So yeah. and that's where his Drammy's yeah. come from, even though yeah. Drammy doesn't remember Edwards, but Edwards remembers Drammy. <laughs> um, uh, that's where it's come from. And so having that knowledge of very recent knowledge, actually, if, if Drammy's uh, anything to go by, that the next sort of couple of years of players that are coming through, yeah, you, 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 he'll, have a, he'll have a knowledge of. You can see that, yeah, and that's part of the reason, I presume, why um, Edwards was, was brought into the club and, and he's been a, a great fit. And Yeah, uh, it's, a bo- it's definitely know. a bonus. I, I, I still think that they um, looked at the Forest Green um, efforts that he put in and that was what swung it, really. But, yeah, it kind of had to have that sort of involvement. In yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe was someone that played under uh, Rob Edwards for England under 20. So if Arsenal, you know... 
I want to send him in our direction. We won't turn the talent like that down. I mean, he might have to sit on the bench for a few weeks, but <laughs> you know, getting he's, 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 he's getting he's getting used to that at Arsenal anyway. And he, um, one other player to touch on then, uh, Alan Campbell, James. I'm full of admiration. I said this last season when we did the same about James Shea. I'm full of admiration for a geezer who sits on the bench. You ain't going to be happy about sitting on the bench because no footballer likes sitting on the bench, but he don't kick up a fuss. And then he waits for his turn because his turn's going to come. And then when he gets his turn, I'll show you about leaving me out. I love that. I love that in a player. And that's Alan Campbell. It is, but he, he wasn't dropped for anything that he did wrong. No, no, no. And that's um, important to know. I think he knew that. And I think if you're um, honest with yourself and you're not playing and you're watching from the sidelines and you're seeing Pelly, Ruddock and Panzo and Jordan Clark rip it up, then... Because those are the two positions that he would have occupied. I don't think whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever we, defensive we, midfield we point player that out, was yeah. there, that was not Alan Campbell's role. And so, you know, you've just got to hold your hands up and they were in exceptional form at the time and that's why you're in out. But it was always going to be the case that he'd come in for something. The fact that both of them got injured in like the same month, it gave him a chance um, and he's taken it with both hands. But he's, he, he's doing what he did last season when... We rated him so highly. I mean, he's my, he was my player of the season, if, even if he didn't get the trophy for it. Um, and he's, he's he, just to be able to keep up that level and come in and, and do those things that he was doing that was so effective as well. And you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, the little triumvirate that he has with uh, Morris and, and Adebayo. And it, it, it'll just run for days. But ever since he whacked that goal in <clears throat> earlier in the season, he, 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 when you're talking about uh, players, you talked about Nakambo, everyone wants him to shoot. But if he gets a sniff, he's having a pop. <clears throat> and he can hit them from long range. We've seen that for a couple of times. He should have had two against Watford. Somehow the goalie clawed away the first one in the first half. I don't know how. Um, and then the second one is just being in the right place at the right time. But he's only there because... He's he's full of confidence and he's running around and he's doing the business and the way he got that goal is the way he keeps looting in possession or keeps looting moving forward because he sniffs around waiting for the ball and anticipating where it's going to be. It's a very useful trait if you're going to be a midfield player that wants to score goals. Yeah, absolutely. There was also a time on Saturday where we were, uh, Watford were pissing around at the back and he nicked the ball off them, but his shot got blocked, uh, I thought at the time actually, by hand, but I've seen it back and it wasn't by hand. Um, Alan Campbell, I mean, you said it earlier on in this podcast, I mean, it's like he's got three battery packs and uh, just when one runs out, the second one activates and then the third one goes as well. What? Yeah, you're right. What an engine the guy's got. I, I, I don't know how he, how he does it. You know, he, he's right from kickoff to final whistle. He's at it. You, you can't see his pace dropping or anything like that. And he, he's just in there. He, 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 it's, it's almost like he's superhuman. Mm-hmm. You know, and sets and, a tone, uh, though, doesn't it? Huh? Sets a tone for everyone. Yeah, else. which yeah. Is, which is great. You want it, you, you know, because as I said before, we're a high press, we're, we're a high pace team as well. We're, we're pretty quick, and he fits with it in that exactly. You know, and you you thought you always want one player who's in there as a a destroyer, if you like, you know, who, to stop the opposition playing and, and and to get the foot in and stop it. But he's got that to his game, but he's also positive he knows what to do with it he 
he he's and he's looking to receive the ball and he don't care where he gets it he, you know and it's amazing to think that we've got two destroyers in the team if you like with him and the camber and i think it was dan who said it earlier that you wouldn't have thought that the two of them could play together but they've been brilliant absolutely brilliant and uh, i i i think um Campbell's like a metronome, you know, with an orchestra to keep time or whatever. And that's what he's like to our team. We, we, when he's not in the side, we're okay, but we don't perform to the level that he's at. You know, and, 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 and the guy's just incredible and brilliant. You know, you talk about signings there, but he's been a fantastic signing for yeah, he certainly has, and he's created a headache for the boss now when Jordan Clark is fit and, and yeah. back. There's, there's still Luke Berry to come in as well. He's mm-hmm. waiting very patiently as well. But the thing, the thing that impresses me most about Campbell, um, it could be the coldest day in the world, and everybody's wearing like oh, up at middle, up at Middlesbrough when we come back from the World Cup, about. and he's there in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no. No, exactly. no, no, no. Everyone else is wearing six layers of clothing and he's, he's there with shorts and T-shirts. I mean, it was... Water. At, at, at absolute worst, he's got a bib on. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it was that cold that day. I swear to God, two Eskimos walked past me and there he is in shorts and T-shirt. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not. It just can't be happening. Exactly. And not only that, um, the type of player he is as well. I mean, you, you look at a mid... Like, you, you look at a set of players, right? Where does he play? Oh, he's central midfield. It's, that's all they can do. This different types of centre midfielders you can get and Alan Campbell's pretty much as many different varieties of a midfielder as, as you can get you know he can hold the ball it can win the ball as we said earlier um, it can dart forward he can get into spaces break up the play create play he's, he's just a general pain in the arse to play against I think for any for any team and he's the sort of player you want in your team and he's he's not malicious he's not like Robbie Savage who goes deliberately in to wind people up he's more of your get stuck in Get involved and just like typical what you think of, of uh, even going back years and years to like like Sir Billy Bremner, mm. um, you know these 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 um, vertically challenged, should we say, Ginger Scots, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like yeah, hardy souls who are the first on the battlefield, charging along with their claymore and don't care what's you know, like Mel Gibson and Braveheart, yeah. <laughs> But he's, he's he's not the tallest bloke either, and he, you know it, you see him going up against six foot four players, and it's about five foot seven of him, and he, he just goes in, and I'm not scared of you. I'm having that ball. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> there's he's... no fear, and he, you know it's the type of player who wears his heart on his sleeves, and you need you need footballers like that. If you can have eleven Alan Campbells, you're not doing wrong at all. No, you he, a long way. you're not. I don't know how he is in goal, but I'm sure he'll put in a good and a fifth. Well, I don't know how he's not getting in the Scotland side either. No, I was about to point that out, but when they've beaten Spain last time out, I suppose I can't yeah, be too Spain crap, too critical, too much. Well, he, hadn't, he hadn't been in the team at the point. No, that's no, true. So. Uh, like you, he was my player of the season last season. And um, yeah, I mean, brilliant signing. Uh, we knew he was when uh, Mick's eyes lit up when they did that transfer club thing and, and, and announcing him and he's lived up to it uh, perfectly. Uh, Tony, before we finish this part of the podcast, um, one of the things I love about being a Luton fan is we haven't just got great footballers at this club. We've got great people at this club and never has that been more the case than at Sunderland. What are we two weeks ago now? Yeah. Um, opposition uh, mascot, um, you know, young lad, autistic lad, um, 
takes a liking to Fred. Now there's an awful lot of football footballers that might, you know, could, you know, just shrug that off and cracked on with the warm up. But that's not the uh, Luton way, and it's certainly not Fred's way. And he um, took the lad to his heart, made friends with him, and uh, you know, there's a blossoming friendship growing. And it's just really nice, isn't it, that someone like Fred, in the position that he is, can be the role model that he is and inspire a, a young lad who was from the opposition team, supports the opposition team, mascot for the opposition team, but that didn't seem to matter. There, there's only one word for it: class. That's that's the word, and and Fred's got that. He. He's he's a lovely bloke. Um, I was fortunate enough to have him on our table at our presentation evening last year. And what a lovely, lovely guy. And he, he told me about two or three times, well, my mum, my name's not Fred. <laughs> and then I said, well, what actually is your name? And he told me, and I just couldn't pronounce it. You know, but That's how he's guy, been called got, Fred. Got uh, time for the fans and... Everything else, and he, he he he's he's a classy guy. He was too classy for Wickham, <laughs> off the pitch and on the pitch. And you know, know he, he, he he. I'll set him up to a new volume in the bottom corner. He, I mean, I, I I I said that to him the uh, first time I met him. I, I said to him, "Yeah, it's great that you've upgraded uh, your club, uh, Fred." And he, he he just laughed. He just laughed. But it's a lovely thing because, as you guys know, I've got an autistic son myself. And that sort of thing means the world to me. Um, He's just gone up so much in my estimation. And, uh, you know, I will seek him out at our presentation evening. And, um, you know, I'll thank him very much for that. you know, but it's it's just Luton Town. It, that 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 that's how they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was Fred that. Yeah. But he could the the young lad could have fallen in love with any of our players, and they'd have done the same thing. You you know that. But actually, for Fred to do it, to send him a signed shirt, a nice little message, full of support and everything. I posted uh, on the Supporters Trust Twitter account that he's a credit to our club, yeah. and he absolutely is. Yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, long long may it be. Like that, you know, he, he's 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 a lovely guy, Fred, as well as being a a good player. Yep, and actually being a great bloke's actually more important than being a great footballer. And uh, he definitely shows you he's, he's the heart of the man. Yep, and he you know he definitely is that. Yeah, well done to Fred, well done to Luton, well done to everything for a brilliant month since we last done the podcast. And of course, we won the derby. <laughs> did I mention that I called it 2-0 you did right that's enough of that that's the end of we this we were nearly right James that's the end of this part of the podcast I went for 1-0 you did, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. but you're glad you're, you're glad you're wrong though yeah absolutely that, I did call it that's it for this part of the podcast uh, stick around for part 2 we're going to finish our blast from the past speaking about the goal scorer at Man City uh, that fine afternoon 40 years ago I'm going to get the boys player of the season, their goal of the season. We'll have a quick chat on uh, best loot and loan signings and we'll look ahead to the majority of the remainder of the season. That's all on part two. It's the end of part one and just in case I've not reiterated it enough, we beat the scum 2-0. <laughs> That's right, <laughs>